Hey, it's Greg Hoffman from Take Command. And the best part about podcasts is they create a 25th hour in the day. Whenever I'm commuting, metro, car, even when I'm riding my bike around town, although in that case, one earphone only, safety kids, I'm always listening to podcasts. And this offseason, you can get all the insights, all the news, all the analysis, and Logan and I occasionally make a joke or two in the Take Command podcast on demand so it fits in to your busy schedule. Follow Take Command in the Odyssey app or wherever you get your pods. It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop, And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. It's time to take command with former NFL tight end Logan Paulson and former Commander's Beat reporter Craig Hoffman. Take Command podcast from Odyssey Sports. That is Logan Paulson. I am Craig Hoffman, and preseason game number one is in the books. A 17-15 win for the Commanders because the score matters, Logan. Remember, winning always feels good. Uh, at least that's what Ron Rivera said in the locker room. We are not really here to talk about the score. We are here to talk about the performance. There is good. There is very good. There is bad. There is perhaps a little bit of ugly in there as well. It's preseason game one. That is what is to be expected. But, Logan, I think the big talking point coming out of this game is the offensive line play. Obviously, the first drive uh, undone by a big penalty. Second drive ends in the safety on a hold in the end zone. Both of those are on Andrew Wiley in terms of the penalties were were called on number 71. Nobody breaks the offensive line play down better than you. So I'm very uh, interested to get your perspective on those plays, on the offensive line as a whole. Because I think we've talked all offseason long about how the offensive line is going to be the Achilles heel as much as anything for this team. They can make or break Sam's season. They can make or break this offense's season. So with this this preseason game one in the books, what did you make of it? You know, I actually, like, people were blowing up my phone, like, you know, last couple of days after the game. Like, what did you think of the office, offensive line? What's going on? Are we in trouble? I hope you responded to all those text messages saying you wait for take command. You listen to the podcast. Yeah, the uh, I, I think the thing. So I've watched the the first drive, first uh, offenses, couple of drives, probably five times now, and I've like really gone through and looked at it. And so what I would say is that the offensive line I thought on the whole played well. I think you get four out of five guys who have really really good games. I think you look at Leno. I think on the first play he gives up a inside move to number fifty four, a guy that there's not going to be a lot of film on. He's relatively new to the league. It was a nice play by fifty four. And I think people are like, oh, no, like that's classic Leno. And I, you know, Leno has done that in his career. But I would say that that is more just a lack of understanding of like where the back is at and the angle I need to take to get to, to, the, to the player, to, to the defender who I haven't watched on film. And I don't really know like what he's doing. So I kind of chalked it up. And so there's like one mistake for Leno. He gives up a pressure later. But I actually think Chris Paul was a little thick on the shade, you know, like so in the spacing of how they were rushing. Um, basically, there's a wide nine to Leno's side. There's like a, a three technique that plays to a shade. So the slide, so the three-man slide, so center, so Gates, Chris Paul, and Leno are working to the left. And um, Chris just hangs a little heavy on that. His eyes are in the right spot, but he's late to help uh, Leno. So I kind of chalked it up to kind of like just two new pieces working together. And yep. on the whole, I think Leno did some really good stuff, like using play action to kind of set up his jump set. Um, using the tight ends alignment to set up his jump set, kind of throwing different things at the rusher. So 
I left the game thinking, man, Leno played pretty good outside of like maybe two plays in, in a 20 play sequence. So, you know, that's an A, the, the way I'm grading it. Um, and then you look at Chris Paul, who I thought had a really good game, played physical football. Again, there were some little things like, you know, can I get to the tackle help earlier when I'm to the slide? You know, are my eyes in the right spot? But that's like really small stuff, quite honestly. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like and he, it's the type of thing that with experience, like that becomes more natural. Like yeah. the, the nuances of the position become things you have to think about less. Um, just very, very quick sidebar. Like yeah. if you watched Hard Knocks and you watched how Aaron Rodgers talked about footwork and his eyes and how it all marries, like that's a dude that's been playing for 20 years and it's all second nature. Chris Paul's played no years, basically. Uh, so that the, if he's if he's already just, hey, we got to master that stuff. Like, I think that's great. And he just you see the like, you know, Ron always talks about his play strength. You just see that all the time with him. And he's not always in like the most technically sound, like run blocking positions, but he's just got a ton of power in how he plays. And so, and I see him kind of sitting down bulls, like again, not with great technique. I'm like, man, if this guy can get his technique locked in, like he's going to be awesome because he's, play, he's playing good football right now. So, and again, this isn't because I work for the team. This is me objectively watching these snaps, like those, those interior guys. So Paul Gates and Cosme, I thought had, Excellent games. They almost had a perfect sheet. I think the only kind of play you'd say for Gates is like on the screen, like be a little yeah. bit more aggressive to get that guy on the ground. But, you know, ultimately, like th like when you go back and watch the pockets, watch the, the five-step, watch the three-step, they are good pockets. And those guys are competing at a high level to kind of keep that pocket nice and clean. I thought Cosme had a really, really nice game. Um, again, there was, there was one where I thought he maybe could have helped Wiley out with eyes, but the linebackers kind of looking like he might blitz. So he's kind of in between, you know, like I'm to the slide. This is my guy and I got to get out there to help out on the tackle. Um, you know, the sack that they gave up wasn't their fault. They, they got the slide going to the left. It's a three man slide. It's a four man pressure. Like you can't do anything about that. Right. Like that's yeah. just the quarterback's got to get the ball out of his hand. And he did. Right. And again, and, so yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, it's something that, um, in this offense, this is going to be a big adjustment for people this year to watch. Hopefully something that you see often and you're like, oh, that was great. That was that thing that Craig and Logan talked about being a yeah. good thing for this offense. This offense has hot routes. Yeah. Like this offense, the solution for pressure sometimes is not to block it. And last year, um, you know, Scott Turner's offense, they didn't really throw hot ever. Like that wasn't really a part of that offense. They, they tried to have other solutions to pressure and sometimes they weren't very feasible. This offense, sometimes it's like, hey, six man, six man uh, blitz, five man pressure, but we, we're going to put the back in a position to quick release or this yeah. receiver has got to be hot. And Sam's just got to get the ball out. And there were, I think, two of those in this game. One of the ones was the one that he tried to get it out to Robinson. He's a little late, and it gets knocked down um, oh, yeah, by Gibson. the blitzer. So, Gibson, yeah. Or, yeah, it was it was a Gibson. Yeah, but yeah. like th those are those are you know when we talk about a sack being on the quarterback, literally everyone that's supposed to be blocked is blocked. Yeah. But the quarterback's got to get the ball out. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because like even on that play, like he he looks and so there's not like there's not like hot routes in the sense that like old you know, Jason Witten, Tony Romo, where it's like you're adjusting the route to to accommodate the blitz. It's like you should have something in the concept where the ball should go, right? So he um so like I think he'd be on that play did a really nice job of, of giving him formational tells, right? He has the tight end kind of solo to the right, the back bumps back into the formation. Instead of shifting like the defense matches it, they kind of bump, which is usually a pretty good indication of zone. He's got guys stacked over the wide uh three receiver set. So I'm kind of like, maybe that dude's blitzing. Dude does blitz, right? And then you're like, okay, that ball's got to go to one of the unders because they're basically running like a like a post, 
like a corner or a seam, I don't know, seam or post, whatever you call it, and then two underneath routes. The ball's got to go to one of those underneath routes if that's the side you're working. And again, they did a good job. The defense of Cleveland did a good job of clamping it. But for him to go like pat, pat, like I don't care if the dude's covered, you got to get the ball out. Like it's got to it's got to be at the dirt at the receiver's feet, or you just read the wrong side because the other side is to the zone dropping side. So the end is dropping out. It's a fire zone. So they're bringing pressure to the offensive left. They're dropping the defense to the um, to the offensive right. The back to the flat is like never been more open in his whole life. And so I don't know if he's reading the wrong side. There are answers to both sides, but that to me is 100% on the quarterback. And then you look at the, the one you were talking about later in the game where the ball gets tipped going to the back. Like they get double A pressure. It's a six-man pressure. They got five-man in protection. They slide it. He knows where the ball is supposed to go. He just doesn't make the throw. And if he does make the throw, I think Gibson, I'm not going to say he's going to score there, but like that's a big play, you know? And so right. – um, so like that stuff is stuff that the offensive line has no control over really. And outside of those plays, like, I mean, they played really well and let, let's talk about Wiley. Cause I know people want to hear about Wiley. Yeah. So basically what the thing with Wiley is I felt like, so first off he's going against Cesarea Smith, who in my, for my money is like probably a top 12 pass rusher in the NFL. Like he is, yeah, he's, really good. Good. he's a good football player and you can tell that Wiley you know, hadn't really had a lot of opportunity to study his film, like, you know, because he's in Cleveland, they probably watched the Hall of Fame game to see the defenses they're going to run. But like Zedarius Smith is a guy who likes to, is a speed to power rusher who likes to beat the inside edge of the pass protector. Like he's not a big, like, I'm going to beat you around the edge kind of guy. And Wiley consistently was just oversetting his line. So what I mean by that is like, when you're pass protecting, you got to think there's an imaginary line between me and the quarterback. My, I can't see the quarterback, but I know the rusher's trying to find that line. And as long as I'm in between that line with my hat slightly inside the rusher, I should be in a good position, position to pass protect. And Wiley, I think, again, just maybe not understanding who he was going against, was I'd say probably three or four times was just slightly past that line. And that that is tough, right? Because that Zedari Smith weighs like 285 pounds, 290 pounds. Like some guys you can catch. And hold there with that inside hand. So for him, it's his left hand on the right side. Catch that inside move and kind of sit it down. With him, I don't think you can do that. So you got to be a little bit thicker on the line. And then there's a couple times where he's getting back chip help and he's still oversetting the line. It's like, understand that you're getting chip help. The response of 9 out of 10 rushers is to transition to an inside move or to a bowl, right? And so set tighter, right? Trust the back to do his job. Trust the guard's going to help you when the slide's to you. So on the sack, for example, they get in split backs. Alex Armour releases out, and he's waiting for the chip. This is exactly what he's supposed to do. He doesn't collision the end. The end runs right into into Wiley, but Wiley's past the point of, of, of his pass rush line and gives a soft inside shoulder and has to get a holding call in the end zone. Like, know the back's there to help you. Set accordingly. And Cosme actually has eyes out to you. So all I need to do is kind of lose a little slower and he's going to come help me. So uh, I think to me, and everyone's like, are you worried about that? I'm not that worried about it because I think that's something that can be corrected. And I know he's working some new techniques with Juan Castillo and Travell Wharton. They're working on this kind of angle set, this B set, this aggressive jump set. And the, those are great sets because they take the air out of the rusher. But they also make it hard to like consistently find your line because you're you're working on a 45 as opposed to working straight back to your line. So a lot of people do it. I think he can get it corrected. Um, and I think physically, it's not like he's getting beat like a drum. It's just like a technical execution that I think is going to get better. And I think they can emphasize that because like, you know, when you watch him against Montez Sweat, who, again, is a 
big speed to power guy, like he's gotten better each week against that. So obviously he can do it. It's just in this game, I felt like he was a little bit off. And when you're going against a good pass rusher like Darius Smith, it's going to show itself. Yeah, no, that's that's really great insight because he hasn't had the greatest camp, but we've put that in perspective a lot of, yeah, it's hard to have a really great camp going against Montez Sweat every day. Um, Montez Sweat's awesome and he's in his prime and um, that's that's going to cause problems. And it's also the kind of rusher that has given Wiley the most problems. So you, you have your your worst nightmare every day. In some ways, it's great because you can you can try to get better at it because it's in practice. Um, but, you know, all of a sudden you get to a game, you see someone else. Um, the sample size is small. And, and that's the other thing I think that I would emphasize is we're talking about very small sample sizes here. So let's say Wiley does that the first couple of drives. Then they, they correct it on the sideline. Yeah. He gets it right for the rest of the game. Well, if it's, we don't know whether it would have been two mistakes for four quarters or two mistakes every quarter. Like right. we just don't know. And I think people, because it's so concentrated, the kind of um, like the examples are so concentrated, people just extrapolate that out of that's what it would be for the entire game. And obviously we see on the third drive, they're able to put it together. But even on that first drive, like the second drive never had a chance. Um, yeah. That is what it is. The first drive, they were cooking and obviously if you don't have the hold and Bates catches it, like you're really cooking. Mm -hmm. So you get to that third drive and they just keep going and doing the same type of stuff and they put it together. And ultimately Jahan runs this incredible route. Sam puts it uh, a good enough ball out there. He catches it and, and is able to dance into the end zone. Um, but I think what you saw is what this offense can be. You saw some of the quick stuff. You saw the ball get out yeah. quickly. You saw some good use of spacing concepts to give the quarterback options. You saw some of the deeper stuff down the field. You saw the pocket move. You saw play action. Like you saw a little bit of everything. And, and I, and I do think there was that rhythmic nature to it that once it got going a little bit is not only good, obviously for the offense as a whole, but like, it's going to help out the offensive line too. The, and, and by the way, I think another factor on that third drive is they start with a big run. Like yeah. if you can get one big explosive run play, like that changes the entire makeup of a drive. And that's not how those first two drives started, obviously. Yeah, and I think that I like I left the game like very optimistic, you know, about the offense, about the philosophy. And again, this is like just a taste of what we've been seeing in practice. But you know, the formations for the uh, for the um, for the defensive coverage tells and, and the pressure tells, like that's great. You know, throwing out a twenty-one personnel, like that's great because it subverts expectation and helps with pass protection, right? Like, there's a whole bunch of really high-level kind of thought process stuff going in there. But I think it's like, you know, <clears throat> something like, you know, I'm an office, office coordinator at the high school level. And one of the things that you see is like the second you get a big penalty or you take a negative play or a drop pass even, it gets you out of your offensive rhythms. And so I think when you look at that, I think you say, man, there's all this really good stuff happening in terms of philosophy and 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 kind of vision for the offense. But like it, it's impossible. It's like it, damn near impossible to convert a third and 32. Like it is. It's just like it's not going to happen. And so like those are mistakes that kind of compounded and it's hard to overcome. So you got to like kind of live to play another down, so to speak. And that's what they did. And I, I like that they showed some resilience. I will say the last drive was against Cleveland's like second group, you know, mm -hmm. so you expect them to kind of have that level of production. But I think what you see there is you see a, sh a, um, a crispness. To, to the offense that you haven't seen in a while here, you know, just a, an attention to detail, a rhythm and a, um, a like a, this is going to sound stupid, but like an artistic perspective, so to speak, you know what I mean? Yeah. That gets me excited for the season. So um, I think there's a lot of good things to glean from it. You know, and you mentioned the Wiley thing, which I think is kind of the one big 
blemish on the day because I think you look at the other four guys, they played pretty good. I think Sam, I think he played excellent. Wiley's kind of the guy. But to your point, like Juan Castillo after the safety, the first thing he says to him, I hear it because I'm on the sideline for the sideline reporting stuff. He's like, like, dude, you're oversetting this. Like set your angle tighter. And so they know it. They can get that corrected. And I think it will get better. And they, and they, they honestly, I think, you know, in having conversations with people around the building, they know that Wiley's not a perfect player. Right. But what they do like about Wiley is that he's a competitive son of a gun who's going to fight every single down. And and I think there is value in that also, because when you watch him on the run combinations, when you watch him in the run game, when you watch him on some of the stuff where it requires him to finish plays, he does that at a high level. So I think he's a guy If football is important. To him, He's going to get it corrected. And I think he's going to look much better in this practice against Baltimore. Right. Kind of working this new line set. And I think ultimately, like if you kind of take that out of the equation, you say Sam played good, the receivers played good, the running backs look sharp. I mean, Gibson looks the best I've seen him look, man. Like he caught a like a little swing pass later in that game. I think Brissett threw it to him, and he his acceleration just looks like it's on a different level, you know. And I think all of those things are kind of coalescing to make this this nice, not perfect storm, but a very potent offensive um, unit. I think so. Yeah. Um, before we get into the rest of the offense and then get into a little bit of the depth, we'll talk defense obviously later in the pod too. I want to do this, uh, ask you this before I forget. How nervous were you to interview Josh Harris? Dude, you know, that's a really funny story. Like he was sitting there, he's sitting in the front row. Yeah. I was like, man, should we try to get him? And- hey everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. And um, and the producer was like, if you could, go for it. And so then I was like talking to his security guy that I like know really well. And he's like, man, I don't know if I'd ask him. Because, you know, like that security guard is used to the former owner. And right. the former owner. Who would absolutely like, would not have done it. Yeah, and probably be pretty pissed at you for asking. And so I just went up and I was like, hey, man, like I, I work for, like I know the security guard that was with him. Like it's good to know security guards. And, yeah. um, and he was like, uh, yeah, man, like, like, hey, Josh, this is Logan Paulson. He works for team. He was like, hey, Josh, really nice to meet you. Um, would you mind doing like a two question interview at halftime? And he goes like, what's it going to be about? I could tell he's a little apprehensive. And then he goes, just keep it general. And yeah, no problem. And I, and like, he was so kind and generous with his time. And like, it was great. I was a little nervous that we were going to screw up the timing because he had somewhere to be at halftime. So mm-hmm. I was like, let's make sure we're on time with this. But other than that, he was very accommodating, very nice guy. Like, you know, you wouldn't, you wouldn't know that he was the owner of a team. Let me just say that, which, which is, yeah. which is very refreshing. Did you get a chance to talk to him at all off camera? No, because he, he was like right from Very the quick. right boom there and then going. So. Yeah. I would love to ask him, like, why were you sitting in the front row? <laughs> and like, I was laughing so hard at that because, like, he's an NBA owner, like, to me. Yeah. That's how I knew Josh Harris before this. Obviously, he owns multiple things. Um, but, like, in the NBA, the owners do sit in the front row. They often right. sit right next to the bench. Um, but in the NFL, like, you sit in a booth, man. And, and I thought it was so great that he was just like, no, I'm going to sit right there. I'm going to yeah. get kind of a feel of the sidelines. Um, but especially when it's raining, like, yeah. I thought it, it was great it, it, that he was on the sideline. I was, and so I was just like, and again, like, you know, as a player, like, you know, ownerships always feel feels feels a little bit distant, right? Yeah. I feel like this is the ultimate, like, no, like, I'm here. 
with you on this journey. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. like, it's it probably, I don't know if he's doing it on purpose or whatever, but it felt like, I was like, this is really, again, as a former player, it felt really cool in the rain to see him hanging out, him and his boy, like, and the fans were right there with him. It wasn't like there were five rows of empty seats. It was like people were sitting behind him, Browns fans, who didn't yeah. know who he was. You know what I mean? And it was just That's like, so he's there. Funny. it was crazy. So I got a ton of respect for that. And, you know, he was great in the interview, really accommodating. So thank you, Josh Harris, Mr. Josh Harris. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was, I was a little nervous, <laughs> you know, because I like, I, I was like, what am I going to ask him? Like, it's like super softball-y. And, you know, yeah. he knocked it out of the park. So, good yeah, he's, uh, he's, he's a smart guy. That's for sure. Any other fun sideline stories uh, we can get to? Then we'll get back into the breakdown. Well, you know, obviously, like, we're standing out there. And you're standing out there with a bunch of, like, seasoned camera guys and, you know, equipment guys on the sideline. And I swear to you, like, I'm, I got the, the IFB in my ear, like, listening to the truck. And they're like, it might be canceled. It might be, you know, whatever. And the first person to know of the whole thing was the dude that was the camera guy. He like puts his camera down, puts it under the table. I'm like, where are you going? He's like, dude, it's lightning delay, bro. And then like, like five minutes after that, we got the announcement. But he was off the field, <laughs> out of there, <laughs> you know, like, and I was like, that's, that's the guy you want to be around, uh, you know, when, when you want updates. So it was, it was really funny. They, you know, obviously great crew. And then being on the sideline, um, like last year I was tethered to a spot. Like I was like plugged into the wall. So I couldn't mm -hmm. really go anywhere. But this year I could like, walk up and down and kind of listen to, you know, Juan Castillo talking the O-line and listen to the linebacker coach kind of, you know, it was just, which was way more fun for me just to kind of see that and hear some of that stuff. So yeah, it was cool. That's really cool. Uh, you did a great job as you always do. I love Thanks, watching man. on the sidelines <laughs> and, uh, it, we got, we got oh, sad that we only get one more. The ESPN crew do a great job with the Baltimore yeah. game, but, uh, excited to, to have you guys back for Cincinnati.